I do want to say Merry Christmas. I want. I want to. Say, I hope everyone had a good Christmas. Um, it's an interesting year uh, for Christmas and and the things that we've been facing. A lot of people getting sick and and it's just, it, it just felt different in some places. Maybe for some of you, maybe for others, you guys were like, "Hey, we had the same old Christmas we always do." So, but I hope that you guys enjoyed Christmas. Uh, I enjoyed seeing a lot of your faces on Christmas Eve um, and just kind of ringing in uh, that great message by Casey, uh, you know, what is the cost that we give, you know, uh, to continue this call. So, and so, you know, typically after Christmas, uh, you know, Eve service, there's the kind of service that connects you to New Year's. And so we're around that time now where we start talking about the new year. And, you know, everybody does the same stuff during this window of time. It's the typical Oh, man, here comes a new year. So we do the look back and then look forward thing, you know? Like, let's look back at the year in review. I mean, even the social media nowadays, they give you, like, a, a built-out kind of, like, year in review thing where it, like, takes posts that you've done from the previous, for this past year, and then, like, shows you, like, a, uh, like a mo- motion picture video of all the cool things and stuff that you did in the year and whatnot. And I just have this weird feeling that this year might be a little bit different. Uh, you know, and that year in review, when we look back at that year, it, it may not necessarily feel the same. Now, I'm not saying that that's for everybody, but I can say in my own life, it just feels different. I don't know why. Um, yeah, I know why. I mean, lots of crazy stuff has happened this year in 2020. Do you remember the people in 2019 that were like, oh, man, I cannot wait till 2019's over. Bring 2020. What do you think now? What do you think they're thinking now? They're just like, man... Yeah. The year of vision. Yes, that's right. Yes, the year of vision. Um, but we have had some interesting stuff. We've had some interesting uh, challenges this year. And uh, I think about it, and I look at, like, I look at, like, uh, right off the bat, I'm a, I'm a big basketball fan, an L.A. Laker fan. Right off the bat, I remember sitting back there and hearing the news that we lost Kobe. And it broke my heart. I mean, more so, I mean, he's a great icon, whatnot, but he had a a young daughter on board, too. And it it was just heart-wrenching, and that's how we start off the year. (laughs) No fun. And then, of course, the Rona. You know, it comes up, and it's just wreaked havoc in in very real ways, and in sometimes very kind of, we don't know if it's real ways, in the sense of, like, maybe it getting politicized more than what it is. Who knows? All we know is it's just a bunch of gunk, and you keep hearing more about it, and you're like, well, what's going on? Are we going to see the end, uh, you know, the light at the end of the tunnel, you know? We kind of got faked out by the murder hornets, you know? Like, heard about them coming, but they never came, or at least I don't remember him wreaking havoc or anything. You know, we had a lot of challenges with the racial tensions this year, you know, and, and, and trying to find a way uh, to, you know, bring us together in unity in, in, instead of division, but it was, it was a tough year in that regard. I mean, election season, Can, need I say more? I mean, there, those things bring apart partisan division all around, and, and it's frustrating, you know, but in, it's real. And I know, don't get me wrong, I know 2020, doesn't, it doesn't mean that everything has been bad. Great things have happened in 2020. This family, I think, has forged together in, in, in mighty ways that we, we've, we've brought in truth. We had the Truth Project this, this year that I felt like, wow, 
you know, like talk about framing our foundation to allow us to really speak truth when there's a pernicious lie out there. It is a year of, of vision, you know, as Mandy pointed out. I think it's something where we're able to see now into, into new ways, that, in new and fresh ways, we need to be able to uh, be the feet for the kingdom. But I guess in the back of your mind still, even though that's kind of the case, like we had some good things, don't you just like feel like with the New Year's thing coming around, the, you're kind of waiting for the ball to drop, you know, the, new, the, time, the time square ball, and it's like, yay, you know, finally, Times Square ball's going to drop, and then you got the countdown, you know, and, and with that ball dropping and it's flipping over to 2021, and, and then it's just going to like somehow magically wash away the memories of 2020, you know, the bad ones anyway. And then you got that, you know, the last part of the ball drop where it's the countdown and it's like 10, 9, 8, and everybody's like excited about it. You're getting next to, you know, your friends or snugging up against to your, your significant other, and you're like, yay. And, you, and this year is different because you're kind of like, man, when that flips over to 2021, whew, it's good stuff. And then you get to four, three, two, one, and then you see this. <laughs> 13, I know that's a joke, and the, meme, the, meme, the memes have been great, guys. Come on. If you guys haven't been seeing the memes, the memes have been great. I mean, that's practically been my life. No, I'm kidding. But I remember seeing this meme and thinking, oh, my gosh, you know what's crazy about it? With everything that's happened this year, it kind of seems plausible. It kind of seems like all of a sudden the calendar's going to change. It's not going to go to 1-1-2021, but it's going to do that to us. That's how I feel sometimes. It just seems plausible, and it, that's an icky feeling that we can look at that and go, oh, man, that's kind of how it feels. And for us, believers, who know that we still have a hope in the God of hope, we can look at this and laugh and be like, yeah, but we know the truth. But what about the world? What about those that look at this and they don't see a joke? They really, really catch an anxiety. And they see that as like, <laughs> that's how I feel. For Christians, for us, the vision of 2020, this poses another great opportunity for us to bring the good news to those people. says in the word, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. I want to focus on our feet today because we're the ones that bring the good news. You know, that's, and, and saying that and saying that even though we have the hope doesn't necessarily mean that we haven't felt, obviously, the weight of this year's challenges, right? We felt it still. I mean, you still have this, the COVID situation. You still have the tensions in American politics. You still have the racial conflicts. Um, but where we differ again is the fact that we've embraced the good news of an abundant life in Jesus. Here is our opportunity to be the beautiful feet that bring that news that we heard once from someone to somebody else that hasn't yet, that looks at that 
and sees almost a plausible reality. So if you came here today looking for a standard new year, new you message, sorry, you're not going to get it here today. I'm not feeling that. I don't see that. Instead, I see more of a challenge for us. We've endured much, you know, this year, but frankly, I know we don't see the end of it. I, I'm, ho- I'm holding on to hope, too, that 2021 is going to, in fact, bring, is going to in fact bring some uh, important new hope. But we know this, that flipping the calendar doesn't automatically bring true hope. Neither does an election outcome. Calendars change every year. Elected officials, unless you're in Congress, apparently, change from time to time. (laughs) But we can hold on because the vaccine's here, right? I mean, of course, (laughs) until the virus, like, changes or mutates. But, I mean, like, seriously, will that ever happen? You know, it's a, I don't know. Oh, boy. (laughs) Those things that people are holding on to, and you know it. Oh, we got a new person in office. We got a new administration. There's a vaccine on the way. It's going to make everything better. The calendar's flipping. We're in a better place. It's just here. We know it. We can feel it. It's great. I, I appreciate that kind of optimism. I really do. But I think you and I both know that that in and of itself is not the true hope and it won't satisfy in the end. You know, again, we know the true hope and as Christians, we're called to share that true hope with our feet. Um, We're not immune to the challenges that we face. None of, just because we're Christians, that's not true Uh, for me. I'll tell you, it's been really challenging. Um, you know, differing opinions in my family, extended family, about the situations, any situation, whatever it is, if it's COVID, if it's, if it's uh, politics, if it's race, it, it, we're seeing it. I work at a public institution of higher learning where they, in essence, most times worship humanistic thought. There's a lot of challenges with that. Not to mention just the standard operation. I'm an I'm a administrator at a community college here, and, and my job for the longest time has been dean of distance learning, meaning online classes. Well, up until now, I had a pretty nice little niche group of things that I was responsible for. And then all of a sudden in March, it's like, you're going to go from uh, being responsible for this many classes to all of them. Oh, by the way, you're also Dean of Technology. We need you to be able to work with your team to make sure everybody can work from home all of a sudden. And so, man, it's been a challenging year. I remember one day, honestly, just sitting in the parking lot in March, sitting in the parking lot at work and just subdued. Tears were there, man tears, but, but tears, tears, <clears throat> man tears. There were tears because I was like, man, this is tough. And I was discouraged because I was like, how are we going to get through all this? Not to mention everything at home. And I know you guys have dealt with similar issues in your own homes or in your own spheres of influence. And so we're all faced with these challenges and it can be really discouraging. And like we said, 2021 
is not going to auto-magically change that. But we must endure these troubling times if we're going to see the true hope. It's clear. The message I'm sharing with you guys today, you're going to look at this go, yeah, we know this, Micah, but I think it, it begs the opportunity for us to reinforce it today. That's all. That's all I'm here. It's on my heart. That's sort of the fire in the belly is I want to share with you today. We, we have to endure these troubling times. Um, because not, if not, who is going to bring the good news to those that don't even know it exists? So that this kind of stuff, when they see articles like this, they go further into hopelessness, further into despair, further in wondering, will this ever end? And as we've heard for message after message from Casey and others, I mean, we know that the depression levels in, the, in, in our nation right now are just going through the roof. Suicidal ideation is increasing. And many of them don't have the firm foundation that we have. So today's message is really about challenging us to endure so that we can be the beautiful feet that bring the good news. So the passage we're going to go through today is in Hebrews 12. It's a very popular passage. It's the one talking about running the race. Many of you guys are familiar with it already. But we're going to unpack it a little bit and kind of just reinforce the ideas as we start this new year for opportunity for us to recognize how we can grow from it. So in Hebrews 12, the author gives us this foundation right off the bat for being able to endure during discouraging times. And the author likens it, this Christian life, this Christian practice, as a race. You guys have heard this before. You're going to run the race, you know. And we're going to unpack that, starting with verse 1. And I'm going to actually kind of do it from going backwards on it. But so here's the verse. It says, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. So like I said, I'm going to break it down from the back end of this verse forward. So the first part here in Hebrews 12. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. So right away, the author is liking again this effort that we have as a race. Now, I know most of us have probably seen a race, and I'm talking more about a foot race, really, in this sense. We've seen races before. Maybe you've watched the Olympics, you've seen the relays, or you've seen the dashes, or maybe you've been a part of one. But on TV, you know, we see the, I think of the Olympics all the time in that regard, like a race, and people are running, and they're, you know, set on the, the track, and they're waiting for that, you know, pistol to go off so that they can start running, and we're all cheering for them, and yeah, 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 who's going to win? But the funny thing about it is when we watch it, I don't think we can truly uh, understand or experience the true strain that the runners are going through as they're running the race. In the moment, we're looking at it like, yeah, that's awesome, but we don't feel what they feel, right? We don't feel uh, you know, the, the struggles that might come with that. And what's funny about it is that the, the fact that, they, that the author refers to it as a race and, and the Greek word 
uh, for race there is agon, or agona, which literally translates to struggle, or conflict, or battle. You know, you don't usually say, hey, we're going to go to the Olympics and we're going to watch you struggle, right? We're going to have you run a race. So when we hear the word race, I think, especially in our English translations, we think of like, oh, yeah, a cool race. Yeah, it's important. And, but, it, but it is something that we could do. And yeah, there's labor involved. But, but I mean, they specifically meant when the author wrote this, agon, a struggle, a battle, a conflict. You have been set forth on a conflict to engage in. And what do we have to do? We have to endure, as it says. Um, I'll tell you what. Agon also sounds like another word that I really don't like. Agony. As a matter of fact, that's the word forming element of the word agony. Because every time I think about running or racing, honestly, I agonize over it. I don't want to do that. I think it's biblical, actually. I think in, what is it, Proverbs 26 or something like that. It's like, you know, the wicked run when there's nothing chasing them. What's wrong with you people? I mean, seriously. You know? That's the only time you're going to see me running, is if something's really chasing me. And, that, and my wife knows that's happened. Like, when we were in Africa missions and I see an elephant coming my way, I don't care. I know that elephant's not super fast, but I'm going to be faster than it. And if I'm not faster than it, I'm going to be faster than somebody on my team. Even if that means I got to take them out. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, but it's agonizing. The race that we are set to run is not just some easy, non-laboring issue. It's, it's agonizing. And I think about racing. I think about that burn. You know, the burn that you feel in the legs. I hate that. The sore muscles, I hate it. Man, the labored breathing, I wheeze. You ever notice that? Like, you're not wheezing right now, but then you start doing something of labor, and then you start wheezing. I'm like, something's wrong with me. Um, who wants to do that, though? Like, naturally, we don't want to do that. But it is a race that has been set before us. And since the word agon is the word that's being used, it is a conflict. It is a battle that we're going through. And we have to be prepared to endure that battle to be able to get to the finish line, is I think what the author is trying to say here. So newsflash, our race, they're, our races, they're not a cakewalk. If you're not laboring in that experience, then you're likely not seeing the growth of the opportunity in it. The race that is set before us is going to be agonizing. I know that's not great news. <laughs> you know, we talk about good news. It is good news, but at the same time, it's like, that oh, it doesn't sound too good right now. You know? We are seeing a lot of conflicts, a lot of struggles right now in the world. And, and for us, it can be agonizing. And for the world, it can be really agonizing, especially if they don't have the true hope that we have. And pe some people, they drop out of their race or they slow down and they realize, ah, I'm not going to finish. But as believers, we can't do that. I mean, I, I urge you guys, we cannot do that. Because if we start falling out of the race, who are going to be the feet that brings the good news? Who's going to make it? 
So how can we avoid that? How can we avoid that? Well, I think this verse kind of helps us in that. We have to have endurance. The Greek word used here is hupomene. It means steadfastness. It means constancy. But I like the, there actually is a specific definition that they use for the use of it in the New Testament. And it says, the characteristic of a man or woman who is not swerved from his, her, deliberate purpose by even the greatest trials and suffering. Let me, let me say that again for the folks in the back. It's the characteristic of a man or woman who is not swerved from his or her deliberate purpose. You see, it's real easy for us to get knocked away or swerved off. You know, you think about when you're, you're, I'm on a motorcycle a lot. There was one time, man, I'll tell you, it was close. Alicia and I were coming back from Arizona and it was pitch dark and there was a uh, full fender and we couldn't see because it was real dark. So you only have, you can only see a, a little bit ahead. And I may have been tinkering with my radio at the time. I don't remember exactly, but the purpose, the point is that I had to make an evasive maneuver to swerve out of the way, you know, now, in that kind of crude analogy, the idea is obviously to be safe. I had to swerve anyway. But the idea is that when we're in this race, this conflict, that swerve shouldn't be something that takes you off the road or the path. In essence, you must not be deterred. You must be steadfast in your work, even though it's agonizing. So to endure is to keep your eye on the prize during the agony. Oof. You keep your eye on the prize. What you know is to come, the victory at the finish line. And I like to think of this race as a bunch of little races too, not just one long one, but like little races for our growth of spiritual growth and, and breakthrough in our lives. And so we got to keep running. We can't be deterred. So in addition to this agony that the race is, that we might experience, what other things can keep us or weigh us down from achieving our purpose? It says in the same verse, let us also lay aside every weight and sin that clings so closely. Now, I want to be clear. This, this passage differentiates two different weights. There's the weight of sin, which we all know, you know, um, is heavy. But there's also other weights. And what are, are these other weights? Because otherwise it would just say the weights, right? But it's explaining that there's weights and sin. So let's talk about those other weights. Truthfully, it's a, anything that can hinder you from running effectively your race. What does that look like in real life? What are those obstacles in your way that might keep you from being able to keep your eye on the prize of bringing the good news with your beautiful feet? All of that. Fear, anxiety, depression. Maybe it's not bad stuff. Maybe it's actually decent stuff. Maybe it's doing all sorts of different things for ministry. Maybe too much. Maybe you're too busy. Maybe it's just other things. Maybe, maybe you're focused too much on social media. 
I like the memes. I'm sorry. They were really good this year, you know? <laughs> Maybe you're binge-watching a new series on Netflix or an old series. Maybe you're caught up in the news. News is important, but you're caught up in it. It's become almost like an idol to you. Any weight that hinders us, because it would be kind of like running a race and you have a, a ball and chain at the end of your leg, right? And it's like, this is no fair. I'm not going to be able to compete effectively. I have this weight on my legs. Maybe it's the virus itself. All these things, though, that can keep us from the focus of what we're called to do in bringing the good news, I think we need to stay focused on. And it says to lay those aside. First, you got to identify them. what are those things in your life. And then you got to pray about it and commit whether or not those things are truly, in fact, hindering you from the race that you're called into. Okay, so the next one, obviously, is sin. I think everybody recognizes that sin can weigh us down. Um, but in other translations, it says sin that clings so closely. In other translations, it says easily ensnares. The Greek word used here is euperistatos, which is, translates skillfully surrounding or to thwart in every direction. See, the author knows that sin it doesn't, it's not so obvious sometimes, right? Sin is not so obvious sometimes. Sometimes you can, you're thinking like, no, I'm, this is cool. This is good. I'm, I'm good with this. But it so cleverly, it so skillfully can surround you that then it becomes a foothold. And eventually a foothold, if not controlled or laid aside, can become a stronghold. So it's our call and our idea to have to lay that aside. We have to be able to identify it too. And if we can't see it, that's a dangerous place. I would urge you in those situations to surround yourself. If you're surrounded skillfully by things that you're not familiar with or uncomfortable with, continue to surround yourself skillfully with other believers, people who are accountable to you, who might be able to shed light or at least be honest with you about what might be going on in your life. Otherwise, it becomes easier and easier to allow that weighted sin to ensnare you as it skillfully surrounds you. I think the author, man, I love the Greek, right? Because their, their words are so much more, they have so much more volume than our own. And so sometimes when we read it, we got we to gotta study and meditate because when I think about it, I'm like, they had a very different purpose when they were communicating what they were communicating. Don't be ensnared. It's skillful what happens there. Don't get caught up. We need to be extra focused to identify and lay aside those things that are keeping us from operating in our full power and authority for kingdom advancement, to be able to be them beautiful feet again. Last part of verse one here. Therefore, since we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, this is cool. The author starts this chapter, or it was formed in this chapter, um, with therefore, since we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, the author 
provides this image and who are, what's this cloud? The, you know, um, Hebrews and, and, and the Greek at the time, uh, using the word cloud typically meant a large, like, gathering or something like that. And, and, um, and so this author saying, great cloud of witnesses. Well, who, who are we talking about, you know? Well, and I've shared this with you guys before. The thing starts with therefore. So anytime that we see a therefore, we got to ask, you know, what is the therefore? Therefore. And so, of course, when you look at that therefore, it means it's going back to the chapter before in 11. And if you guys are familiar with Hebrews 11, it's about the hall of faith. Who are the hall of faith? You know, these great, faithful Warriors of the kingdom, right? It's known as this hallowed hall of amazing people. And saying that we're surrounded by them in a great cloud of that. But just to kind of name out some of those names that are in the hall of faith. You have Abel, Enoch, Noah, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Sarah, Joseph, Samson, Jephthah, David. Some real important, cool names you know in the Bible. But what, I ask you, do each one of them have in common with us? Any ideas? Did I plant you? Did I pay you earlier? You're good, Mandy. I'm telling you. They all fall short of the glory of God. See, this is what I don't like when we talk about hall of faith. I don't like the term myself, personally. Because when I think of Hall of Fame I, or faith, I think of Hall of Fame, which is a term that's used like in sports. And typically the Hall of Fame is like where they've enshrined the people that are the most iconic and perform better than everyone else. And they were just amazing. And there's no way we can ever touch that glory because they're that good. But that wasn't the intention of what the author's sharing there. The author's trying to demonstrate that these people aren't the iconic people that, and characters that we know because of their great, amazing perfection, but because of their ability to endure in faith. Because let's, let's talk about some of these characters, right? I mean, Noah, he built a boat for an impending flood that wasn't there. There wasn't a cloud in the sky, probably, when he was building the boat, but the flood came. He probably was shamed by a lot of people like, you're crazy, man. Abraham, you know, he wasn't perfect. He laid down with his concubine because he couldn't wait with his wife for the, in, the promise that was provided to him. But later, he was willing to sacrifice that very miracle baby when called upon it. Joseph, another one of the Hall of Faith, we know that he was a little too reckless with his visions and his dreams, sharing it with his family. And then he had to endure 17 years of some serious struggles and times. But the promise that was provided to him through that enduring, he eventually became the very leader that he was promised to be in his visions. Samson, that dude didn't guard his heart, you know, when it came time with that uh, Philistine woman. But God still used him to free the Israelites from the Philistine rule at his own cost of his own life. But... The idea was that he wasn't lost or he wasn't perfect to begin with. We know David made poor choices, Bathsheba, lost a baby over it, but was spared his own life and eventually brought forward Solomon, 
who erected the first temple and basically led the golden age of Israel. The most important part of this is to say, everybody in that hall of faith, they weren't perfect. And so I think the author wants us to know that, to say, yeah, they are, they are there to witness to you in the sense of like, as you're running your agonizing race, know that God was faithful to them as they endured in their faith. Not because they were perfect, not because they were destined to be the ones written, but because they endured, and so can we do the same. So since we are uh, surrounded by a crowd of witnesses. So. When we talk about maintaining faith during difficult times, we can endure because of those that have endured before us. It's like remembrance, right? We remember the works of the Lord. We have to because it's easy to get down and agonize during our race because of all the trials that come our way. Same goes for right now. Have any of you guys done like a charity walk or a 5K? Some of you guys? Yeah, you guys are crazy. Like I said before, I mean, I don't know why you guys do that. No, I have to. I have to, seriously. Um, And um, you ever notice like as you're making your way All of a sudden, you got, I've noticed at least in more of the recent ones, you got the people like, you got the people like on the sidelines with like water or at the right at the finish line, they're all clapping you in. Yeah, you're going to do it. Yeah, good. I always thought like, man, did they hire them? You know, but it's interesting because I'll tell you what, there's moments during that jog, sadly for me, maybe during that walk, um, where I am laboring. And I'm like, dude, I don't know about this anymore. I'm like, I know it's, you know, for, you know, those, those, those poor children, you know, um, and we're raising money for them, but I, I'm agonizing, you know? But then when I see them, and I'm sure some of you guys have too, when I see them kind of passing out the water, cheering us on, I get kind of, I get kind of motivated, right? It's like, huh, all right, thank you. Yeah, all right, I can, I can take a couple more steps a little bit faster here, you know? When you get weary, it's nice to be surrounded by that. And so I kind of like think about like, when we think about the cloud of witnesses, now I know the author didn't intend for them like, oh yeah, it's like they're physically watching you as you're going through your, your race. But this idea of we should be able to remember what they've gone through in that and that they are witness to that. Um, think about if you're doing that run and then like an Olympic gold medalist or like Usain Bolt, world record holder, is at the finish line going, yeah, Micah, yeah, finish it up. I would be like, dude, you are like Olympic gold medalist and you're cheering me on. I love it. I'm going, you know, and you're motivated by that. In the same way, I look at the cloud of witnesses like that, that as we're running that race and we're agonizing, I can look to those warriors, those heroes of the Bible, those in the hall of faith, not because of their perfection, but because of their endurance. And it's, it hypes you up because you're kind of like, yeah, I, I can endure and hopefully see some good things too. I don't want to endure the way Joseph had endured, but if I have to, if that's the cup I have to bear, then okay, God. But that's the kind of stuff that we have to be able to embrace. But why? Why endure? To what end? Why would we do such a thing to ourselves? Um, 
Because God can use discouraging times to equip us to be those feet. The discouraging times, as we know, are the things that are going to allow us to grow. And we'll be able to do things that maybe we couldn't do before. It says in verse 11, um, let me see, is that next? Oh, I skipped one for you guys. There it is. It says in verse 11 of, of Hebrews 12, it says, For the moment all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. So going back to that race, we know it burns. We know we're going to be laboring. It shouldn't be pleasant. It lines up with that whole adage, no pain, no gain. You know, I was talking to um, um, somebody. I can't remember now. See, that's what happens when you're not running your race. You just lose it, you know. You know, that's how it is. Um, But we were talking about spiritual athletes. My buddy in the back there. Spiritual athletes. And this idea that, like, you got to be trained by it. No pain, no gain. Without it, where's your growth? Where are you going to see when you come up against things the next time? How are you going to be able to handle it? And, you know, I like this this, uh, quote from Charles Spurgeon. Everybody is... Familiar with Charles Spurgeon, an amazing uh, just believer uh, and, and has amazing devotions and, and commentary in and, and Christian life. But he writes this. Uh, maybe he writes it. Let's see. There you go. Would it not be the most ridiculous thing if a father should chasten a child that the child come downstairs laughing and smiling and rejoicing at the flogging? Joyous? Instead of being at all serviceable, would it not? be utterly useless? See, because in the rest of Hebrews Hebrews 12, it talks about God chastening us and the idea of we endure and to not grow weary because during these troubling times, he has things for us to learn from and to train with it. But if we aren't engaged in that and recognizing that because we're agonizing so much over the race, then we might miss the point and it won't even be serviceable. It'll be utterly useless for us to grow in what we're trying to do. I mean, I just love it. He just laid it out there. Like, seriously? They're just laughing at the flogging? You know, it's like this idea of like, man, come on. What's the point of the training if no one receives it? And then after that painful moment, we know there's a yield, as it says in that verse. The peaceful fruit of righteousness. This world... We can never count on it to someday become just some utopia in and of itself. We can count on it to probably bring another crisis and another one and another one and another one. If you've been around this earth for any period of time, you've recognized the challenges associated with that. You've seen and maybe been through some serious challenges and crises that we've had to live through and still move forward. And if we, I would expect, I guess, I would expect from somebody who doesn't have a true hope in God that they would continue to experience crises in the same way. Oh my gosh, this is crazy. I'm, my world's falling apart. Okay, we got out of that one. Next crisis. Oh my gosh, it's here again. Another crisis in my life. 
and, and this, this cyclical nature, and it's a vicious cycle. But for us, as Christians, as people who have a hope in the God of hope, we can, if we're, if we're able to engage in what's coming at us and, and receive the fruit by being trained by what's coming at us, that fruit is peaceful. And the t- next time something comes at us, our shelter of peace will be a beacon to the very people who are still in the vicious cycle. And that's what they need. They need people to look at and say, why aren't you shaking in this? I want what you have. Is it a tranquilizer? You know, what, what is it? You know? But that means as believers, then we need to experience that fruit. We need to recognize that it's coming. When we don't receive the fruit or we get caught up in the crisis, then guess what? We are going to get in that same vicious cycle. And then what's the purpose at that point? When we, when we focus too much on the grind, we forget about why we're running the race in the first place. So we need to look ahead. Did it pop up? Yes. We need to look ahead to the fruit, the result of the discipline rather than the process when we're struggling during discouraging times. If we can keep our eye on the prize, if we can keep our eye on, okay, I'm going through something, but I know that God has a fruit at the end of this and hopefully from it, it'll be a peaceful fruit of righteousness that will equip me for the next time the world brings something of a discouraging time at me, okay? All right, we're finishing up here. The last part. So we have this race. We're, we're, we're running this race. We know it's agonizing. We have this cloud of witnesses that we can look to and see what they've gone through. But if we really want to see the beauty of a perfect and ultimate model, it would be Jesus. And we know that. So we go back to verse 2. And it says, you know, looking to Jesus the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. So we're running this race, right? And there's distractions all around. We've talked about them, the weights of sin, other types of weights that could be good stuff, but there's still hindrances from us running the race. Where do we fix our eyes? And I love it when you know, we look, I mean, obviously you don't want to look at the ground because you, you might miss what's ahead. If you look too far ahead, um, you might trip over yourself. Um, if you look to the side, you can never run as fast if you look to the side. You ever notice that? You're looking to the side, you just can't run that fast. Um, I love, like in the Psalms, it says, fix your gaze upon Jesus. We know that. Like, we've heard this multiple times. But in this case, The same thing with that fruit being down there, the same thing with keeping our eye on the prize, the same thing of keeping our eye on Jesus will get us through. He's the founder and the finisher of our faith. And as it says in uh, Philippians 1, 6, you know, it says, and I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. If we think about our race, We know that the word was there in the beginning. He's there with us at the starting line. He's there with us as we run the race. He's there with us at the finish line. He will complete our work if we lay aside the weights, if we endure the agony, and we keep running. But we got to keep our eyes on him. 
I'm going to give a quick example, and then we're going to close it out with a song, I think, actually. A couple weeks back, I wasn't here at church. I was really struggling. I was uh, wrestling with just the frustration of things that are going on in this world. And probably, to some degree, was manifesting in what you see and, and what you're hearing today. And I was really just frustrated with it, and I was trying to figure out how to, how to handle it. You know, and, and in much of it, I was really, my wife, who's the person that is closest to me and that I am, I'm leaning on, I probably was taking it out on her, and it wasn't right. We went up uh, and we did a hike. I don't know if any of you guys have done the Menifee Cross hike, some of you guys. Why? Oh my gosh. Seriously. No. Um, <laughs> I, I, yeah, I kid, but um, I want to show you some pictures real quickly of this because I'll never do it. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. So I took a picture. Now, it's hard to see from where you are, but there's a cross at the top of that thing. There's a couple people, too. And, and I was walking to this cross, and I, we got to this point, and I remember my wife and I, we walked over to one location. We were like, man, it's like, I don't think we're going the right way. This is a detour. And we had just exhausted. I mean, like, we had labored to get to that point. And I was like, dude, now I got to go back? Okay. So I walked over to another way, and we went another way. And again, we didn't find the path to get there. And I just remember looking up, and I took a picture at that point, and I go, man, I know there's a cross up there. I know there is. But it's really hard at this moment to want to continue going because it's hard to see, you know? But we kept going. I had a great wife next to me saying, hey, let's keep going. Let's do it. And then I took another picture as we got a little bit farther. Now you can kind of see an outline of, of, of the cross a little bit, and you're kind of like, all right, all right. It's getting close, but I'm going to tell you right now. All those things I was saying earlier, labored breathing, sore muscles, agony. Those things all happened before I started the walk. Uh, <laughs> And now imagine what it was like as I'm on the walk. But you could kind of make it out a little bit. You see a little bit more of Jesus. You're getting a little bit more motivated. You're kind of like, I can make it to that cross. And we got to the last part. And there, I don't know if you got, like I said, the people that have been there before, the last part, it's quite a elevation, pun intended. It's quite an elevation. Uh, it's very steep. I would say it's probably like, um, it's probably, gosh, 75 degree it's 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 an angle and I was thinking to myself maybe 60 maybe I'm just giving myself credit because I'm trying to think about it but but it was it was something where I was like this is the most elevated grade compared to all the other ones that were going up and I just remember at the at the at the base of that I could see the cross pretty clearly and I was motivated by what was happening and I held my wife's hand for the first time because I didn't hold it the, old, uh, the rest of the way I was trying to just figure and labor on my own but we're one flesh and I held her hand and we, we, I turned on I turned on set a fire you know music started rallying getting and we made it to the top and uh, I broke down in tears man tears again <laughs> but man the beauty of being able to see Jesus and the cross in that moment, it like lifted the very agony that I was experiencing getting there. 
And this little example is to kind of explain, like, it's tough. The race is tough. It's going to be agonizing. But if we endure, we'll see great things. We will. We will see great things. And my wife and I sat up there and we prayed. And we, I remember we looked at this building from, because you could see this building from there. And we prayed for you guys as you were in the message and we were eating pizza. It was fantastic. No, we weren't eating pizza. We weren't eating pizza. But it was fantastic. And I, and I just thought about it and I go, you know what? God's talking to me right now. You couldn't, it's hard to see sometimes when you're in the agony, but if you endure and you draw near to me, the closer you get, the cross becomes easier to see. And the easier it is to see, the easier it is to make it. And then from there, when other people are trying to do it, you will have a testimony to bring to them, like, just keep running, keep running the race. So I'm going to do this and then I'm going to have the band come back up. I want to close with this uh, call of action to you guys. We have difficult times, and I don't believe the calendar flipping is going to change that. But it poses a huge opportunity for you and I to do some amazing things, to be the beautiful feet that bring the good news to those that need it. So to just recap, keep running. Keep running. Remember those who have endured before you while you're running. Focus on the fruit that's born from the discipline experienced while you're running. And lastly, fix your gaze upon Jesus. And there's an energy there. There's a motivation. There's something that carries you through when you can't do it anymore in your natural. The Spirit's there to carry you in the spiritual. How beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news. So I'm going to have the band play a song that's really a war cry in my heart. Some of you guys know it. Um, it's the first time I think they'll be playing it, so I'm excited for them. But to me, it's a battle cry for 2021. It's a battle cry for this church to be disciples and to make disciples. And then we'll close out in a quick prayer. Actually, I'm going to close out the prayer now, but then lead into that. That's, that's better. So let me pray. So, Father God, I just thank you for the opportunity to be with my family, my church family. And Lord, may we be available to your race, the one that you set before us. May we see you and fix our eyes upon you as we run that race. And while we know, Lord, it's going to have some agony, some pain, that from it, Lord, you're going to bear fruit that's going to equip us to help those that still yet do not know you. The ones that need to know you. The very call on our lives to be disciples and make them for this, the mantra of this church. Father, I just ask that as we go into 2021, we will continue to run our race. We'll lay, lay aside all those weights, the, the distractions, the hindrances, and we will focus on you Focus on the fruit that we will bear and focus on the prize. Keep our eye on the prize. And from it, Lord, may you be glorified as new people, as people who don't know you yet become sons and daughters of the one true king. And may we, in whatever part you have for us, be a part of that, Lord. Because we know you are the founder and finisher of our faith. 
You were with us at the beginning of our race, through it, and you'll be there at the end. And Lord, I just, I'm excited for that because I know that as you go and what you endured, what do I have to worry about? So Savior, you lead the way. You lead the way through it all. I'm going to lean on you. And, I, and, and this body, I challenge us to lean on the Savior in this. Savior, lead on. In Jesus' name, amen.
2021, our Savior will lead us into new and fresh ways, but we will continue to run the race hand in hand after COVID ends. Yeah, just kidding. All right, that's it for today. Merry Christmas, you guys, and Happy New Year. Looking forward to all the great and fresh ways that God is going to use us in 2021. Dance a new dance like day.